0: It's Good to pray together, good to pray for one another, To good to ask God to, to work in our region as we are doing even now. You know, several years ago when Pastor Seth was coming in to uh, join our staff, I remember saying to him, uh, it just came back as we were in, in worship this morning, I remember saying to him, you know, I'm praying that God would really uh, restore and rejuvenate uh, the heart of worship among our young people. And uh, if, if, we can, if we can help them understand the importance that they have, the calling that they have to be a worshiper, to lift up the name of Jesus, uh, that, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And uh, today they, they not only expressed that, but they led us in that in, in a really sweet way. And so very, very grateful to them. In fact, I think if they're probably walking down the hall, but let's give them a little thank you for uh, serving us so faithfully today. Really beautiful. Hey, we have a special guest with us today, a family that has uh, gathered. uh, You heard in the vision and announcement time in the beginning uh, about some of the church planting stuff that's happening this month. So I'm actually going to call the Peña family up, and Pastor Aiden is going to do a little uh, back and forth with them for just a couple minutes before we get into the Word together. God's doing some great stuff here, so come on up. Let's give a warm State College welcome to the Peña family.
1: Well, this is... uh, maybe even more than normally special. Like, I love to celebrate what God's doing and planting new churches and and sending people out, but uh, these are friends of mine. (laughs) Uh, these are our good friends from when we lived up in Williamsport before we before I started working here at State College Alliance. Uh, I got to know Jerry and Juliet uh, while we were at State College, or sorry, that's where I'm at now. While we were at <laughs> City Alliance Church in Williamsport, um, and you know, I think maybe it was our, our last year there that you just felt God stirring in your heart. And he was working a full time job. We were working at Penn College, maybe, yeah. and then uh, and then he's like, you know, I feel like God's stirring something, so you started taking some seminary classes, and I remember you talk, talking and sharing, and like, this is hard, <laughs> and, you know, trying to figure out what's God going to do, and how is he going to move, and wh- where is this going, and so can you share a little bit about your story, and, you know, so how do you get from, from, from a couple, you know, and, uh, you know, trying to exploring what God might have to being here as, you know, you're in a church planting residency program, getting ready to do some, some exciting things here in the future, so how, how did you get from there to here? Like, what, what's God been doing?
2: so we were a part of a church plan at City Alliance and anytime they would talk about church planning, as long as I can remember I had this voice in the back of my head and it was God and he was like, you're going to do that. And I'd always be like, yeah, I'll probably be a part of a church plan someday. Um, And then as Jerry started looking into like what am I going to do when I'm done with seminary and where is God calling us? I kept hearing that in my voice and in my head and I was like, don't say it out loud because it's really scary. And then I said it out loud and Jerry's like, yes yes, you know, like, that's exactly what um, God's calling us to do. So we ended up um, looking for a church that was interested in planting. That was, like, one of our first steps, and we didn't know if that would, how that would work out, or how many people we'd have to meet, and that would hear our crazy idea, and also be like, yes. And so the first church that we visited, they handed us a shirt when we walked in the door, and it says, no, Jesus, be transformed, and plant churches, like, literally on their shirt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we didn't know at all that that was like anything that they were going to, you know, talk about. So um, that's who we ended up partnering with. They're called Common Places. They're in Lock Haven. Um, they sent us with some coffee. So at the end, if you guys want to talk with us out um, in the lobby, we have bags of coffee to give out too. But, yeah, that's who, that's how we got here.
3: Yeah, and uh, so it's just on my heart to share with you guys too that, you know, we're just ordinary people. But we're called to live extraordinary lives because our God is all-powerful and all-loving. And so there's nothing special about us. And so our, our old pastor at City Lines used to always say uh, to us that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the calls. So as, as we were praying today, if you feel that call, don't ignore it. Don't hold it back. Talk to somebody about it. Dream with us, you know. There's people out there that have the same dream and that you know that likely god is is calling you to meet um but yeah so that's that's kind of
1: how we got got to this place uh, how we started this yeah awesome and so um I, I mentioned a little bit about this uh church planting residency can you tell us a little bit more about that where you are in the process uh and what is it kind of like the the next steps that you guys are looking to take with that
3: Sure. So, um, you know, we're, we're part of the Alliance, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, too, at Common Places. And um, one of the great things uh, about the Alliance, what I love so much, is the missions focus, sending people out. And um, so as part of that, they've built this residency, a greenhouse residency, uh, meant to equip people who feel that call, um, to show them uh, that they're not alone— and uh, to partner them up with people who have done it before. Uh, So they're, you know, they're not, we don't have to figure everything out because we wouldn't be able to. And so it's a two-year residency program. The first year, uh, which we just completed this month, uh, is really meant to kind of really teach us, equip us, and really see if we're called to church planting and and where that might be. And so right now, um, we believe that God is calling us not to Lock Haven, but to Williamsport, to the west part of Williamsport, a neighborhood called Newberry, and so we're going to be evaluated here in a couple weeks, uh, which is a little intimidating, but we know that the people love us, Uh, so it's a good thing, and so after this evaluation, um, if everything goes well, we're going to begin the second year of the residency, which is, you know, the more boots on the ground, we're going to start doing what you guys have been doing, praying through neighborhoods, asking God to bring people to join our team to help us launch, and asking that God would show us where it is and how we should minister to the community of Newberry. And so one of the things that we love about Common Places is that um, they have an outward-facing uh, part of the church, which is a coffee shop, which is why we brought coffee. Um, so the church actually runs Avenue 209 in Lockhaven, and so we're looking to do the same thing in, in Williamsport, a way to engage people. Yeah, not a coffee shop. But. Yeah, not a coffee shop, but um, something, something new. And um, I, so I just love hearing the missions focus uh, that you guys have here, too, that, that, you know, you guys aren't forgetting about the people that are far from God. And that's, you know, a core vision with the Alliance that we believe that God, that lost, that lost people matter to God.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, so cool to hear. You know, again, like he said, this is a, a, a sister church of us in Lock Haven, common places that find that common place in the community where people would be gathering together uh, already. Uh, and that's kind of what you guys are looking for in Newberry of where would be a spot that God might want to use uh, to bring glory to his name uh, and, and to start a, start a church in that. Uh, so can you share a story or two about where you've seen God moving uh, recently uh, in your journey here?
2: Yeah, so um, for me, the biggest thing was, like, we were, we departed from a church that we were really happy at, that we had a lot of friends, and so as we were going on our journey, I just remember this thought in my head, like, you're going to be so lonely, and that was really scary, and it was a big part of what was holding me back, and so when I really started to recognize that that that's definitely not of the Lord, and I needed to pray about that, people just showed up, like, friendships that I thought I had lost, new friendships, just, you know, people flooded in, Um, and so that's been probably for me, one of the biggest blessings. Then Jerry's got a practical great
3: blessing. Yeah. yeah, so uh, about six months ago, we started getting coached on how to raise funds. And even though the gospel is a free gift, we need money to live. And we need money to start a church. So we, one of the things that we're learning is how to raise funds, and it's really intimidating. Um, and we've never done it before. And so as we're, we're preparing to do that, uh, about six months ago, uh, we, we opened a bank account and I remember praying. I'm like, God, I just, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, am I going to, are we going to be able to raise this amount of money to, to sustain us and to help us launch? And I'm pretty sure it was that week, maybe even the same day. I got an email out of the blue from this guy named Aiden Wirtz. You guys probably know him. Um, uh, and he's in the email. He's like, Hey, we, we've set this money aside for church planning um can we give it to you and i was like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> wow that was that was a quick answer to prayers. so you know you guys you guys have showed up for us and um you've given us hope that we can continue on this journey um it hasn't been easy like i don't want to sugarcoat it it's been really hard but it's been worth it and um it's generosity from people like you that keeps
1: us going so thank you guys so much yeah, and just how awesome it is that God moves and, you know, it's all God, you know, and just saying like, you know, I think it came up, like we're looking at our different budgets, like, oh, hey, we've got this church planting budget line in our church's budget. Like, what are we going to do with that? And I was like, I've got this guy I know, Jerry, <laughs> like, let me check in and see where he's at. And it just happened to be, you know, right in that timing. So God's just perfect timing and all of that and weaving, yeah, the story of, and I just think of the connections between us and you and at City Alliance and then, you know, us and Lock Haven and... Uh, all of the things that are just kind of weaving our stories together. So why, that's why it's, it's exciting for me to share with you all, so you all kind of get a, a glimpse into what the Alliance is doing here in our region to to reach out to those who are far from Him, to for fresh expressions of the gospel to go forward. Is really, you know, the heart. Why why plant churches? Because we need churches that will be willing to do things that other churches aren't doing in order to reach people that other churches just aren't reaching. Um, so really, that's kind of a heart behind church planting. So. So to wrap this time up, how can we be praying for you guys?
2: Um, so for, from what Jerry said, I guess you guys can see that the logistics part is what's next for us, that like really nitty-gritty of a uh, building, people, finances, and that's all new to us. And so just praying that... Um things would hopefully fall into place. Pray for a space. Pray for people to say we want to join the team. That's a big thing. And then just pray for us as we're kind of like humbled and refined by that experience because I don't think that it's going to be super easy. (laughs) Um, But we're grateful to be there. So yeah, just bringing that all to God in prayer would be amazing.
1: All right. Well, would you join with me in praying over them at this time? If you want to, you can extend a a hand of blessing towards them. Um, But let's just just do that. Just pray over this uh, sweet couple. So, Father, we thank you um, that you invite us into your work, that you would entrust uh, your bride to, um, to, to us to carry forward. You know, led by Jesus, God, we trust you fully to uh, be the head of the church but then to also to, to call us out and to, for us to take steps of faith and for Jerry and Juliet to take steps of faith, to, to follow your call and follow your leading. So Jesus, we just declare your blessing over this, your, 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 just your, how you are honored uh, by, the, by their work and how you are glorified by it and how just pleased you are uh, when your kids step out in faith. So God, I do pray that you would um, supply their every need um, God, that you would, you know, this. The, the, who, who's the team going to be? God, I pray over this next year that that would just really solidify, that people would sense not just a... Uh, well, maybe I should do this, or an obligation, but a, but a real sense of like I am supposed to be on this team and I am with you in this. So, God, I pray you you raise up those people. God, I pray that you pour out finances to to bless them in this journey. That that uh, just from from our church here, from other churches, from the community, God, that, that just your favor in providing exactly what it is that they need when they need it. Um, God, that you would be that and just open the storehouses of of your. Just yeah pouring out blessings over them and God I do pray over the uh, the where the church is going to meet God, I pray that you would open up doors uh, in Newberry uh, God that there would be a place that would even just be uh, I pray this in the first service that they would be excited and like be waiting for it 's like we've been waiting for someone to do something like this could you please come and have a church here uh, God just I pray that there would be a, just a, a spot that just is ready and open and welcoming. Uh, this expression of your body there. So God, I thank you for Jerry and Juliet. I thank you for the work that you're doing in their lives. I thank you for the work you're doing through them. God, I pray just blessings over them and over their kids. Uh, And we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Yeah, thank you guys. Can I say one more thing? They will be out in the lobby. I don't know if you heard it, but they, they have some bags of coffee from Avenue 209. So, what, first 10 people, 5 people? I don't know. So,
0: go, go catch up with them. That's good coffee. It is good coffee. Yeah. Amy, run and get us a bag, quick. Okay. <laughs> it's all good. Um, so, church, today we're going to wrap up our series that we've been doing, Pray Like It Matters. This has been a, a great... Um, six weeks or so uh, that God's been doing some good things. I hope he's been stirring your heart in some special ways. I just want to note with you as I'm reflecting on this, okay, so new churches are getting planted. Healing testimonies have come in. I just prayed with a family between services today who have experienced a massive restoration work of God. Miracle. We just baptized a handful of people a few weeks back, hearing stories of new commitments to Christ, hearing stories of people, prayer walking, some of them sort of funny. One of my friends actually said to me, I kind of injured myself, and uh, I was like, oh, that's too bad. He was like, actually, it was kind of good, because I was going to prayer walk really fast, and now I can't, Um, like prayer walking a lot slower, (laughs) you know what I mean, actually focusing in and everything like that. So, So we're hearing work, the stories of God at work. Um, God has been doing some good things. Today, we're going to wrap up this series called Pray Like It Matters with a message about the need for Sabbath, which is very much in line with these uh, last recent weeks we've been doing, stillness and silence and today's Sabbath. Uh, I did bring my little glass jar back here uh, today. Um, This has served as a nice little reminder all week. It sat in my office, kind of gaining clarity in the stillness and reminding me. If you were with us last week, we had that all thing. It was very muddy and silty. Uh, And so it's been sort of a special thing on a daily basis just to be reminded of the importance of being still and being quiet and being able to quiet my own heart. So I brought it here as a little encouragement for you as well today. And just as a quick preview, the next series that we're going to start, many of you probably know that we've been going through kind of the entire Bible in our preaching, uh, some of it in slower passages like in the the book of Galatians in the summer, we we did that kind of verse by verse, uh, more or less, and uh, others though we've done really big passages um, in in just a few weeks. So we're going to be going back to the Old Testament in a series called Bible Heroes, in which uh, between now and Advent season, we will go through Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, and 2 Samuel. So if you're reading in that direction, or if you would like to, a good place that you could be doing some Bible reading, uh, we would encourage you to do that. We'll pick that up uh, next week. This week, we're going to finish uh, Pray Like It Matters, and we're going to go to Mark chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there. Mark chapter 2. Uh, We're talking about Sabbath, talking about the importance of what does it mean to set aside time for rest, uh, for worship, Uh, what does it mean for us to be able to do that, and so we're going to unpack that with you a little bit, but I want to start with a story of Jesus from the Gospels, Uh, Mark chapter 2, this is also mirrored in Matthew chapter 12, uh, but Mark 2, uh, I'm going to pick up in verse 23, and the verses we'll read today are verses 23 to 28. It's a short passage, but trust that God will give us some good things as we come to the end of the series. Mark 2, 23 says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some, he- some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, verse 27, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord Even of the Sabbath. Today, we're going to focus primarily on verse 27, though I will note with you that there are many times when Jesus runs into sort of opposition from the religious elite, that what he does in a situation like this is he takes that sort of tradition that they're holding on to. In this case, he doesn't say the tradition is bad, he doesn't say the Sabbath is bad, he doesn't say the observance of the Sabbath is bad, but he does say this, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, And I want to make this very, very clear so that you don't find yourself in the place of saying, well, this is so important, nothing can touch this. And Jesus said, no, I can. I can. And he begins to put into perspective the observances that the people have. And he'll do that in your life and in mine as well when you give him space to do that. Tradition in service to Jesus and not the other way around. And that will always be the case as long as Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Today, as we contemplate this interesting passage, uh, I want to actually just begin with a little mental exercise with you. When you think about different advertisements that you see, a lot of times advertisements are going to be tapping into your deep felt desire to sort of slow down or even just stop, just to have a moment of rest. And we're all busy, we're all scrambling. We talked about that sort of throughout this series. Hurry makes it very difficult to pray. So if you're going to grow in this area of prayer so that you experience the fullness of His presence so that you would experience the fulfillment of His mission, it really is a sequential thing. We've got to learn how to slow down. So a lot of the advertisements that you will watch or see or experience, maybe that you're not even realizing that you're seeing, they will have pictures that will look kind of like this, some kind of, uh, some kind of uh, thing like this, that essentially will say this, man, wouldn't it be nice to just stop? Just to be on a hammock, or to be enjoying some coffee with some friends, or to be able to to see you know by the fire. Oh man, that's just like such a beautiful picture of just stopping. And in some ways, this is sort of cruel and unusual punishment, because the same society that kind of ramps you up, you know, culture's got you going at a hundred thousand miles an hour, is also the one that dangles this little carrot. Wouldn't it be nice to just sort of slow down? So I want to ask you to think about what it is that taps that that is tapping into wouldn't it be nice to rest and the advertisement says if you use this product or you go to this place or you subscribe to this service you could get this just like these happy attractive well rested people that you see here wouldn't that be nice to live like this well as a little bit of an overview of our message today we've been examining the life of Christ and today we're going to look at a third tool that he employed for greater connection to the Father in prayer. This ancient practice called Sabbath. It dates all the way back to the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. It shows up again and again throughout Scripture. It is never, it is never decried by Jesus. It is never said, like, yeah, we don't, we don't worry about that. In fact, you might say he very much affirms the practice of the Sabbath. But Jesus is also the one who said, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've come to do what? To fulfill them. So he's going to take something of of antiquity and he's going to bring it to us as an invitation. Remember, this is the same Jesus who says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And when you're resting in Jesus, that's a great place to pray. Misunderstanding of the Sabbath leads to legalism and pride as it was in this case we read today. While a proper approach to Sabbath leads even us as New Covenant Christ followers to, listen to these words, a rhythm of fullness and fulfillment. A rhythm of of fullness and fulfillment. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. It's so important. That brings health to our physical bodies. It brings balance to our spiritual life. It prepares the soil of our heart for fruitful and life-giving prayer. Healthy discipleship with Jesus about, Sabbath plays a very important role in that. Won't y'all just everybody take a big breath real quick? Yeah. You know, Sabbath is, a, is, a, is an area that I've really wrestled with. I've dealt with a lot of guilt over this area, because especially like pastors, we got to get up and we got to preach. You know, God tells us to do this, and this is important, and everything. And pastors stink at Sabbath. Pastors are not good at resting. You know, they're always running, they're always scrambling, they're always going to that next place. And so I've dealt with a lot of what I would call false guilt But even recently, even these last weeks, as we've been doing more praying and talking about resting and everything, I felt like the Lord has been revealing to me the places where Sabbath is actually happening in my life. And it's actually more often than I realize. You know, the places where the the glass is able to get a little clear and we're able to be a little bit still. I still have a lot of growing to do. So I'm not preaching this message to you as an expert who's arrived, but as someone who's on the journey, but deeply inviting you to come along. Because I know that your heart longs to find rest. Some of you are maybe not walking with Christ yet. You've never established a relationship with him. And that expression of finding rest for your restlessness in Christ is such a pivotal thing. Others of you have been so busy for Jesus, your head's been spinning for the last couple decades. And you maybe, maybe find the invitation to say, just, just slow down. And the, the practice of Sabbath... And the way that he invites us into this actually leads us into this place. Health for our physical bodies, balance for our spiritual life, soil of our hearts having fruit and life-giving prayer. So a healthy discipleship with Jesus. Uh, What does Sabbath mean for these things? So I'm going to just kind of walk through those three and share a couple of pieces with us. The first one is just Sabbath and what I'm calling just a body at rest. Uh, There is something to be said for rest for your physical body. Uh, in fact, I mean, this was just a very practical thing. This this last weekend, our schedule was such. Amy and I were doing some traveling, but we were going out of town, and we had uh, responsibilities. We were actually officiating a wedding together uh, from someone from this church uh, on uh, on Friday, uh, but that kind of caused us to be in this place that we did this rehearsal, and then we had a little bit of space, you know. And Friday, like we didn't have to do anything for a while, so it was like we could like sleep in. For the first time that we, you know, we were sort of c- curious, like, how long will our bodies actually sleep in if we let them? You know, we almost made it to eight o'clock. I think that first, that first was a whoo. you know. The younger me would have been like, yes, "That's nothing, you know, like sleeping in was like way later. But there's something about your physical body being at rest, you know, it's such a vital thing. Sabbath actually gives that opportunity in a, in a very purely physical sense. So anyway, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Let's look at this scene why is it that Jesus draws such a sharp reaction from the religious elite, specifically over this area of Sabbath? Now, you might read this passage and you say, well, that's not really a real, you know, a, a real thorny kind of exchange or you know, a real difficult thing. But I want you to know the very next chapter of Mark, Mark 3, begins with the healing of the man with a withered hand. And Jesus does that on the Sabbath. And the response of the religious elite, it actually says that the Pharisees and the Herodians, they began to conspire together about how they would take his life. So you think about, I mean, this was a huge deal to them that they would say there, there is something so threatening in what Jesus is doing that the, the Pharisees and the Herodians, and you think about it this way, the Pharisees represent kind of the religious spirit of the age. The Herodians, think King Herod, Herod, represent the political spirit of the age. They don't even like each other, but when it comes to Jesus, they conspire together about how they would kill him. Totally elevated. As a Christ follower, incidentally, you will need to deal and do business with the religious spirit of the age, and you'll need to do business with the political spirit of the age as well. I've kind of learned that the more I look at Scripture, it's like you see these groups ganging up. But I want you to keep in mind a couple things when we think about this scene so here we here we got jesus and his disciples he's walking through the grain field they begin to pick some grain and the religious leaders man they're right there i don't know they're watching you know like are they walking alongside or whatever but they're right there and they want to know why are they doing that That is unlawful to do on the sabbath they immediately begin to challenge him now i feel for them somewhat as well because they have good reason i don't know if you know this but in the old testament uh, to, to break the code of the Sabbath was actually like a capital offense. You could get killed for gathering firewood on the Sabbath. That's how seriously it was in the Old Testament. So when these guys are taking it very seriously, there's a good reason why they are. But in their attempt to follow seriously the, the codes passed down to them, they're missing out on the Lord of the Sabbath right in front of them. Now let me give you this uh, little bit of working definition before we get too far into this message. We talk about like what the Sabbath actually is. I have this up on the screen for you. Kind of in a technical sense, you could use this definition, uh, a day of religious observance and abstinence from work kept by Jewish people from Friday evening to Saturday evening and by most Christians on Sunday. Uh, perhaps maybe a working definition for us today would be setting aside weekly time for rest, for worship and for delight. the reason that the, the history of the Sabbath is so rich, I mean you see this all throughout Scripture, Genesis 2, God created, he worked uh, for six days and then he what he rested. Uh, the Sabbath command, Exodus 20, actually shows up in one of the big Ten Commandments that he says to his people, like remember the Sabbath and keep it." Holy. Remember that your, your God rested and you too are going to rest. Uh, it, it's also interesting, it's a little bit of a sidebar, but worth noting that in Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments are given again, this time to the next generation, okay? Um, and there's a, there's a few slight changes, and one of the changes this time around is that when it comes to the command to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy, Uh, that these words are also included remember that you were slaves in egypt that was not in the original document why is that well the original document was given to the generation before who had just come out of egypt they knew who they were they knew what was going on and they knew that the command was to remember the sabbath day and to keep it holy To the next generation, now they have grown up without all of the same experiences of their parents and so reminder to them is this. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy for you were once slaves in Egypt. Do you know what a slave does not get? Doesn't get rest, doesn't get a day off. The job description is pretty simple. It says like this, uh, work and do whatever I tell you until you die and then that's it. Yeah, not good. And so now there's a new identity that is being Formed, a new identity that's being established in God's people. And I find this interesting because a lot of times when we talk about the idea of physical rest, I talk to people all the time, right? And I say this too, you know, well, I'm just so busy, I'm just running, I'm just going, or whatever. It's as if I am a slave to the work that I'm doing. And God actually says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a better way to rest your physical body by remembering the Sabbath. Physical rest becomes a thing. Don't work one of the days of the week. We see this, this, this command in Exodus 16. I'm just uh, You can look these verses up. You don't have to know all of these here for today. Exodus 16, stay at home even during the harvest season. Exodus 34 says that. Even during the harvest season, even when you would think, it would be like, okay, we can cut out on the Sabbath right now because we've we got to get this stuff out of the field or whatever. And God says, no, even then, rest your animals, rest your crew, rest yourself, even then. So we see this physical rest that's happening. Don't light a fire. So that's this whole idea of like don't cooking. So we would think, well, at least housework, we got to get that part of the stuff done. God says, nope. plan in advance so that you don't have to do those things. This is Old Testament law. And then in Isaiah 58, it actually brings in a whole new thread where it begins to talk about delight and joy. To actually do things in that space of Sabbath as your body is physically resting, where you experience worship and communion with God, where you experience unhurried time with family and with friends. So all of this kind of stuff is there. The Pharisees know this. They see them walking in the grain field. They say, wait, that's an infraction of the Sabbath. Jesus now cuts through all of their presupposition with this marvelous statement. He says, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. He's not talking masculine and fam- feminine. He's talking about humanity. There's two parts to the statement. To the people that Jesus was addressing, the second half was directed at their legalism and their pride. It's not that humanity is made to follow the instruction of the Sabbath, but rather that Sabbath was made for us. It is an invitation. To us today, I believe it's probably the first half where we struggle, where there's much need for the invitation to rest. I was listening to this piece the other day uh, that it was not about fasting, or not about this, it was about food and it was about consumption and said like the problem with our American diet is that we are chronically undernourished and overfed. Right? And we all went like, yeah, that's, I mean that's, that's the world that we live in. Spiritually, and a life without Sabbath, we find ourselves chronically undernourished and overfed. Overfed, meaning we're distracted, we've got all these things kind of like vying for our time, we've got more duties than we need. Than we, <laughs> more duties, that's a funny word. More things that we have to do. None of you laughed at that. Okay, now I feel funny. Okay, we have all of this stuff, but here we are, undernourished, overfed. One last qu- quick thing with the, the physical body at rest. So, like, literally, a Sabbath time is a time where you would actually rest your body, where you would sit, where you would be still. And this is a little bit of just encouragement to you. If you're here today uh, or you're joining at home and you're sitting down and you're experiencing worship and you're praying and you're waiting on the Lord, you're actually kind of resting your body right now. You're you're being still and there's something very healthy about that. Some of you that are big into exercise, you know, the big rage over the last several years has been you gotta do high-intensity interval training, hit ex- exercises, you know. Don't just jog for two hours. You gotta you gotta have interval sort of stuff where you press your you press your endurance and then you rest yourself. You press your endurance and then you rest yourself. And that's where you're gonna see much better better things. That's exactly what sabbatical is doing. When we engage in that in a physical sense, we are out working and we're doing and we're moving. And then we become still. So in a very physical sense, uh, Sabbath has an effect on your body. Sabbath has a huge effect on your mind. And so I want to talk about the second, second point, Sabbath and a mind at rest. I've talked to several of you about John Mark Comer's book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, just putting credit where credit's due. That's had a huge impact on this series and, and my thinking along these fronts. He makes this argument sort of in this way. He said, and I actually have this up on the screen here. When you think about where you fall in this category of being restful or being restless. I want you to th- look at this, this uh, list that we have here. Can we pull that up for a second? Yeah, this idea of being restful and being restless. Restless. So do we have margin or are we busy? Are we quiet or noisy? Are we deep in our relationships or isolated? Are we delighted or are we distracted? Do we experience enjoyment or envy? Clarity, that's a huge one, or confusion. Gratitude or greed. Do we see work as contribution or do we see work as accumulation and accomplishment? So he begins to unpack this idea of the relationship in our minds between Sabbath rest and desire where does all of the restlessness come from that we see in our world and even in ourselves and here's the argument that goes all the way back to Thomas of Aquinas and more recently people like Dallas Willard that there is unsatisfied desire that drives us for more the question is how much more Like, what do you really need? So uh, way back in the uh, 1225 to 1274, Thomas Aquinas, he lived then. He was an Italian Dominican friar and priest and a very influential philosopher and theologian. He asked this question, what would satisfy our desire? Like, what would it actually take for you to feel satisfied? So with his philosophizing brain, he begins to contemplate this. And this is the answer he came up with everything that's what you would actually need there is like a limitless desire in the human heart and it would require everything which of course is not realistic to be able to get we'd have to experience food and travel and natural wonder and relationships and achievement and accumulation everything why and he came up with this thought because we are finite beings with infinite desire And that's why we're restless. That's why the world that you're in is restless. Human desire is infinite, he said, because God is infinite. And when we are able to get our infinite desire back to the infinite source that is on God, and all of our other desires back to their proper places below God, then we actually find some rest. The Sabbath brings your mind to a place of rest. Because part of what we do in the Sabbath is we worship. We look to the source of ultimate desire. We look to the source of infinity. And we put our infinite desire there. That's actually not a bad thing. Dallas Willard said this, I have this quote really, really good. He says, desire is infinite partly because we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to satisfy all of our needs. We are only at home in God. Now listen to this. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains. But it is displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. Like that is a snapshot of the world that you live in. That is a snapshot of a heart and mind that is not at rest. And that is actually part of what Sabbath addresses and why Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. So we tend to chase lesser things. We wind up restless. Restlessness leads to hurry, and hurry kills prayer. I'm going to do one more with you. This one will be pretty quick. Sabbath and a spirit at rest. We did a body at rest and a mind at rest, now Sabbath, and a spirit at rest. I want to simply encourage you uh, as you go into this week and as you go into a million different things that are going to vie for your attention before this day is over, to remember to find your Sabbath rhythm. The discipline to invite change. None of us are getting this right perfectly. Culture is not set up for this to go very well for you at all. So it's going to require sort of countercultural thinking. And here's a few of those thoughts that have come to my mind I would share with you and I would encourage you to add to this list and share with one another. Number one, here's, here's one of the things I want to encourage you to do embrace time for physical rest. Take some time intentionally to say, I want to physically rest and be still. When you do that, you are actually making a profound statement. When you physically rest and are able to be still, you are saying, I am not God, and that is good. And I'm trusting in the one who is both God and good. So embrace time for physical rest. That would be number one. I want to encourage you to do these things. Number two, eliminate distractions and devices. We talked about this a lot last week, this whole notion of solitude being a place where the inputs in my life are my heart and God. God you know, you've got devices all around you, you've got things that are vying for your attention all the time, be intentional about saying, I'm going to unplug from those sources, and I'm going to embrace some Sabbath for my spirit at rest. You can be intentional about doing that. Number three, feed your mind and your spirit that we have more resources that we are resource-rich in all of this area. You can read a 1,000 books on it. You can read articles. You can look at websites, and there's apps, and there's all these different things that you can do. My encouragement to you is not to amass more information about Sabbath and balance and silence and solitude and therefore get better at praying, but it's actually to do it, to actually take a step forward. I'll give you two uh, resources. I'll I'll probably put them in our uh, From the Pastor's Desk letter. One of the resources that some of our staff were talking about was Lectio uh, 5365, which is like a daily kind of contact place if you want to kind of get your heart stilled and in Scripture and be at rest in the Lord. Uh, Another resource that I've really been enjoying is Becomenew.com. That is John Ortberg's uh, website that he's been putting together. It's all in the spirit of how do you tend to the needs in your own soul? How do you rest in the Lord? Uh, Really, really good resources. Uh, so that's number three. Number four is this: resist false sabbaths, like isolationism, like escapism. And the way that you know whether you are actually sabbathing or not, uh, resting and celebrating, delighting, all of that kind of stuff, is simply this: are you are you filling your life with things of God, or are you just vegging and emptying yourself? Um, I have no problem with sitting around and watching a show. I have no problem with watching some of the football game. I mean, all of that kind of stuff can be wonderful things. I just don't want to pretend that that's Sabbath if what I'm actually just doing is kind of escaping in my mind. And there's a lot more dangerous places that your mind can go when the focus is actually not on God. It's just being isolated. So we want to be resisting false Sabbaths like isolationism or escaping. It's interesting that scripture says, keep the Sabbath holy. That, that actually can be a really good litmus test. Just keep your Sabbath holy. So if you're filling it with all kinds of escapism or uh, these kind of isolationism or things that are actually leading you into dark places or unhealthy places, then you're not keeping the Sabbath holy, right? So that's an important notice uh, to have. Uh, number five, be willing to do less and miss out on more. I don't know why it is. It's just in my own heart somewhat, but I see this in a lot of people too. It's like this whole FOMO, fear of missing out, you know, it's, just like, it's a very real thing. Like, I, I, if I don't do everything, I'm going to miss out on something. And somebody told me after the first service, they said, do you, do you know about JOMO? And I was like, I, no, I, I'm not hip enough to know what that is. They're like, that's the joy of missing out, you know. So you got you to replace some FOMO with some JOMO, you know I mean? Just find joy and say, I'm going to miss out. You know, that's actually part of Sabbath. You could fill up every second of every day of every week uh, if you don't have a little bit of willingness to miss out on something. But there's actually a joy that's there. So just being, being aware of that, sharing that with people. Um, do intentional things to find joy. Um, I think we undersell this a lot. Like we think if we're not suffering for Jesus, we must be doing something wrong. Find ways to rejoice in his presence, to to enjoy time with friends, to enjoy the body of Christ, to enjoy things of God. You know, I think about times of solitude that I have that are are just joyful for me. Uh, Different activities that I do that actually bring a lot of stillness. So do intentional things to find joy. Pray about what that might be this week. Uh, Get accountability. This is where we learn together. We grow together. uh, We help each other. Uh, And then the most important one, I think, is simply embrace the process. This idea of process has been pivotal in almost every area of spiritual development in my life and certainly in this one. I am in process. You are in process. Jesus is really good with people that are willing to say, I'm in process and I want to keep growing. As we come to the end of this series, uh, I want to just remind you, the original focus was prayer. We said, hey, we're going to pray like it matters, and we've been doing that. But even as we've been doing this, God is so good, because more than simply learning prayers or learning about prayers or studying what prayer does, what we have been doing, especially in these recent weeks, is inviting you to join us in learning to do life with Jesus. Jesus. Becoming a person that walks and plans and works and rests and prays differently. And this is the heart of discipleship. I'm going to invite our worship team to bring us back up. Is everybody coming back up, worship team? All right, come on back up there. It's going to take you 20 minutes to move half of the congregation. I love it. Uh, and thank you guys again for just serving us faithfully. I just love the joy and the, the awesome work that, that you're doing. Uh, here's, here's how I'd like to conclude. It's very simple. I just want to give you a simple invitation. Beginning with an invitation to stand, uh, I just want to say a prayer for you. Um, I want to invite you to receive this uh, prayer with, with hands open to just say, Lord, here's my body, my mind, my spirit. Uh, wanting to find rest in you. Um, the great quote from Augustine our, You've made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Um, so, in prayer, I would say, Lord, would you help us? Uh, we get too busy, God, we get too frazzled. Sometimes we lack the discipline uh, to unplug or to turn off or to be still, to be quiet. And so, God, as a result, we oftentimes find ourselves in this curious place where we, we deeply want to be fulfillment people. God, we want to be on mission for you. I, I see this in my own heart. I see this in people that I talk to. We want to do things that matter. And yet the fullness isn't there because we haven't learned to be still. So just as an act of our own discipline today, Lord, we stand in your presence. And we open up our hands to you. And we say, would you teach us, Holy Spirit, to rest? And we thank you, Jesus, for the invitation to Sabbath. God, we give you our physical bodies, and we ask that you would help us to rest well. Most of us do not have a hard time being active. Maybe some of us do, but that's not the the main thing. A lot of us have a hard time being still. So we give you our physical bodies, and we ask you to cause us to be rested in you. We give you our anxious minds and our anxious thoughts, and we look to you, Jesus, and say, would you give us a Sabbath spirit of a mind at rest? We receive that from you. And Lord, we pray that we would have spirits that are at rest as well, that we would experience the discipline to invite change. So whichever direction you want to take that in our life, I pray against any sense, God, of of being overwhelmed by this, That now on top of everything else in your list, you've got to figure out how to do a better job of resting. Just take the next simple step that the Holy Spirit puts on your heart today the next simple step in the process. And God, we thank you that you see those. And let me remind you, church that desires to pray well, that we cannot do that from a hurried spirit, and we are responding even now to the one who says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So we pray that you would teach us that in these coming days. Help us to put into practice the things that we are learning. In Jesus' name we ask. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey team, will you lead us? Yeah.